Lord, we declare it is well with our souls. Because of you, Jesus. Because you sit at the right hand. You sit there living. You sit there breathing. We rejoice to know that that's where we're heading. Because of you, Jesus. This is not the end. So our soul cries, it is well. It is well. Father, help us. Help us today to cling to that hope. You, Jesus, the living hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you're still standing, let's read today's anchor scripture. It's from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. The NIV translation goes like this. It'll be on the screens as well. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now have received mercy. I'm going to read it in one more translation, Young's translation. It's a bit old school, but let, let it, let's go with it. And ye, a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, an acquired people, that the excellencies ye may shew forth of him who out of darkness did call you into his wondrous light, who were once not a people and are now the people of God, who had not found kindness but now have found kindness. Amen. You may take your seats. Morning, everyone. It's good to be here. It's good to share the word with you. My name is Sam, Sam Walker. Uh, Walker is a Scottish name, but the only little bit of Scottish that's left in me is the ginger in my beard. It was a long, long time ago. Um, but I'm one of the oversight members here. And uh, today we're going to be continuing our series on We Are the Church. We Are the Church. Focusing on about being the church, not just doing the church. In the verses we've just uh, read together, Peter is basically answering this question in a very packed summary. What is the church? Charles H.P. goes on to say something like this. He says, uh, the church is not a building you go to. The church is not an organization you join. The church is not a service you attend. The church is not a charity you support. The church is not a club you socialize with. The church is the redeemed community of God's people in Christ. The church's identity 
is not based on our ethnicity, our nationality, our background, our status, our gender, uh, or our gender, should I say, but it is in Jesus Christ, our Messiah. We, as this new redeemed community of God's people, we have a new position, we have a new purpose, and we have a new privilege to walk out as people, like a living In the word it says a living stones, living people, a living temple that's going out in this new identity that we have and this new function. So today we're looking at the church is chosen. Let's say that together. The church is chosen. We all make choices, don't we? Every day we've got different choices that we make. And sometimes we choose wisely. And sometimes we choose foolishly. And I'm going to confess that I probably do the latter more than the former. Is anybody else there? Yeah? Um, One of the choices um, that some of us will make, uh, particularly here, is the right choice over your cabaza driver. Your cycle journey from one place to another. It's a bicycle, ta- bicycle taxi, for those that don't know the word Kabaza. So I'm just going to share two, two stories of where I chose wisely, and then maybe not so wisely. The first one is my first week here uh, in Lilongwe, uh, 2012, and I was going back home. I didn't have a car at that point, so I was like, right, there's a group of cyclists here. Let's choose from this one. And I saw one that caught my eye because he had one of these reflective jackets on. I said, that's good. He's going to be seen. That's one point. I got closer and I saw some were perhaps under the influence of a good night out the night before or a bad night out, whatever we wanted to see it. And I thought, okay, I don't want to choose those guys because we could be a little bit rocky on the bike. And then also I was a bit cheeky and I also asked the guy, I said, do you have your brakes working? And I, I, was, I was a bit entitled, so I actually tried them. I apologize for that. But anyway, I knew this guy was safe to go with. So we got on, and we made the trip. I probably paid four times the price, but I was happy that I made the journey in one piece back home. Fast forward about four years. I'm in Mizuzu. We don't call them a kabaza in Mizuzu. What do we call them? Sacramentos. Yes. To the Tumbukas here. Hi. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to get a Sacramento. Now, I was sick, and uh, I was the manager of a department at Central Hospital, and there was an issue that needed sorted and needed me to come and to uh, attend to. So I got out of my house in Yucatoto, and I started to walk, and I was looking for a Sacramento. And um, I just saw sort of the first one that came past. I stopped him, and I got on. And that guy, first of all, the colors that he was wearing, it probably was camouflaged with the tarmac. Wrong mistake. First, first mistake. First foolish mistake. I get on. As we go, I'm getting a waft from this gentleman in the front, realizing that perhaps he also enjoyed his night the night before. So I'm thinking, okay, let's uh, pray a little bit as we go around. Anyway, go through Nukatoto. We get down, and there's a, there's a long hill. If you know it, just before you come on to where the, the, uh, t- the Toboa market, the wooden market is. 
And we're going down the hill. We're going. We're going. We're going. I'm like, break, break, break. He hasn't got any brakes, has he? So we get to the end of the T-junction, and it's, 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 it's all or nothing. I, I have to jump off this side. The bike goes that way. The guy goes that way. Luckily, there's no uh, car or anything. We're okay. We're a bit scratched. He's got, you know, he doesn't feel it now, but he'll feel it later. <laughs> uh, but I check he's okay, and then I carry on on to my journey uh, to, to sort out this issue. And when I get there, after all that ordeal, after I've walked away hobbling, because I hurt my hip, not feeling well, the guy there says, it was actually George's brother, he was in the previous meeting, and uh, he says to me, he says, oh, we haven't got any fuel <laughs> for our car. And he's like, can you go on a Sacramento and get it? And I was like, no, if you knew what's just happened, uh, no, uh, sorry. So anyway, he got someone else and someone else went. So anyway, a wise choice and a foolish choice. Now, when we bring it back to, to God, often the choice that God seems to make, the choi choices and when he chooses people, we often go, what? Do you know their track history? Is that not a foolish idea, God? Do you not know what has happened with that person? Do you not know that their skill set is not appropriate? We might even do it for ourselves and we count ourselves out. We say, no, Lord, you know it's a foolish choice. <laughs> Why are you going to say that you choose me? We often have that view and God's view is the upside down of that. Uh, has anyone seen, uh, it's very aptly named for this, this uh, title, The Chosen Series? Has anyone, anyone seen it, been able to see it? If you've not, check it out. It's, uh, it's a good Christian media. And I'm sorry, if you like Christian media, that's fine. But this one is done very well. Very well. It's very authentic. It's very historical in that sense. It's obviously fictional. Uh, but it talks about the ministry years of Jesus and the disciples and how their story becomes part of Jesus' story here on earth. And it's amazing because you start to realize these guys, they were rebels one was a zealot, you know, he was ready to take the Romans down. You know, one was a lady who had a, a background that you, no one wanted to associate with her. You know, there was uh, Peter, uh, he was a fisherman, which meant in that time he had failed all the school tests uh, up to being a disciple of a rabbi. He was doing his father's trade. So he probably only passed up to, you know, standard eight or whatever. Yet Jesus comes to him and says, you, follow me. Let's do what I do. Come, watch me. Learn from me. Um, so yeah, watch it if you haven't already. It's a good one. Uh, before I get more into the scripture, and we're going to go through the four main uh, phrases that Peter is using in this passage, I want to just share a few tips about coming to Scripture. We don't do this often, um, and, and I'm not a scholar. I've never been a pastor. I've never been staff on church. I've never been to Bible school or anything like that. Again, you could probably say, why is he standing there then? <laughs> but I wanted to give a few points that have really helped me to uh, approach the Bible in a, in a way that helps me to really not misunderstand, but also uh, find out more of what's going on. So 
in a very difficult fashion, we have uh, three words. Context, context, context. Well done. Four marks. Tell, I'm not a scholar. <laughs> so context is so important. So when, you, when we come to the scripture, I'm always looking and saying, okay, how does this narrative fit into the whole story? How does this little bit, we love our devotions, don't we? There's nothing wrong with our devotions each day, but they're only a little snippet. They're only a little part of that whole um, part of passage or story that's going on. So let's see where it is in the whole picture. Context number one. Context number two, there's specific background, historical cultural context to where this is being written. Who is it being written to? Who is it being written by? It's good to take that into consideration because we can start to misinterpret what they're actually meaning because we're not part of that culture. You know, I would have loved to have written, uh, read out to you in ancient Greek, but I don't think even myself would have understood what we just said. But that's what it was written in. You know, we're getting a translation of that. And then the final one often is, is, is said to context, to my context. But I want to flip that because often we say, how does it apply to my context? Which is okay. You know, this is a living, breathing uh, God that we serve that is going to be uh, impacting your life. But what, we, what I mean by context is, and what's really helped me is to what context am I bringing to the text? What biases am I bringing to that part of the scripture? What things are already on my mind from what I've learned, from how I've experienced maybe church, I've experienced other people, how is that playing into how I'm reading this part? Good, so context, context, context. Second one, final one that's just easy to remember as well. We've got patterns and patterns, three patterns. Very easy. Uh, first one is the style of the writing that's there. Look at the pattern of what it is. Is it a poem? Is it a narrative? Is it a correspondence between two people? That will really help you to make sure that we're, we're not misunderstanding what's being said. For example, if it's, if it's a thick poem at the start of the Bible... It's poetry, right at that genesis. Should we really be drawing out scientific, saying this is this day, this happened, this or or is there a is there a meaning behind art? Is there a meaning behind poetry that this is being written? That it's giving a metaphysical truth. God did create the world, yes, but how that has happened? What is that portraying? Then the the, the second pattern is the design of that scripture. So. What we're looking at is the narrative arc. How does the story go? Our lovely Hollywood movies love to have the climax, the resolution, all at the end, don't they? Like we're waiting, waiting, waiting. There's a bit of a conflict in the middle, and then it's all resolved at the end. These, this Bible that we're reading, the ancient context was often that the, the climax was in the middle. So no wonder I'm confused. No wonder I'm going... Well, that just kind of sort of fizzle away at the end. What was going on there? Um, so there's that. There's that element to it. And then the final one is the patterns of words. Where are words being repeated? Where are themes being repeated? They keep talking about a tree. This tree has no reason. What, it, what, what's the purpose of it? 
Oh, maybe it's a tree in the garden. Oh, there's other thoughts going through and metaphors taking place. So we're all right with that. So let's do that a little bit for this scripture. Uh, Context number one, talking about chosen. How do we lead up to where Peter is in uh, in these verses? We start at the beginning. Chosen. Humankind is chosen. The whole of humankind. Adam means mankind. It means human. Uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the word for it. That he was chosen to be a representative to the world of God's uh, partnership, partnering with God to say this is what God wants to happen in the world. Obviously, we know that doesn't go too well. And then it comes to a guy called Abraham. And God says, you know what? I want to work back to that original story, that original that mankind has chosen. But we're going to start with a, with a, with a chosen family. We're going to start with Abraham. Then that moves on to uh, the nation of Israel. We know what happens there. They don't do too great, but they are still chosen. This is how God is going to bring um, his people together. And he does that through Jesus, the chosen one, the anointed one. Then after that, when Jesus goes up, he says, guys, it's down to you now. If you want to take up this new humanity, if you want to take up this new humankind role and purpose, it's through the church that I want to do that. It's through the church that I want to see you chosen. And Peter's wrestling with this point because at this point he's saying, well, I knew that we were chosen as the Jews and the Israelites and now the Gentiles, the other people, everybody else is also included. And that was starting to mess with his mind. The other context, go context number two, uh, Peter had a revelation that helped him to get to this point where he said, Jews and Gentiles, it's okay. They can be in the same body together. They are chosen together. And he's mostly writing here to Gentiles that are scattered, that are in exile, like the, the Jewish people were and have been throughout history. And he's saying to them, hey, you are also chosen. They were grieving, they were suffering. It seems bizarre to say that in that situation. Even as we were singing that song, and we're singing it over Malawi, in that situation that is grieving and suffering, we can still claim it because this is what Jesus has said to to us and how we work that out as the church. Then the final context we said about my own context. What is chosen about for you? It might be if I pass the exams, if I make the right uh, rules and I get through that way. That means that's when I'm chosen. It could be the denomination you're from. Maybe this thing of a chosen generation has come through and that's what's on your mind as you think with that. Uh, maybe priest culture. Only certain people can be priests and pastors. Maybe that's where you're coming from. That's what you're bringing to this text. So let's look together at the patterns of these four main Uh, groups. So the first one on the screen, chosen people. As I say, this is an irony for Peter right now. He's saying, he's saying you're a chosen people, you're a chosen race, but you're all different kinds of people and races from different backgrounds. It's a bit ironic in that sense. But he's saying this to really show that What was said for the Jewish people, for that Jewish race, and was only used, this word was only used for the Jewish people, he's now saying it's actually now for everyone, for all those that believe. 
all those that are scattered. So God has a history of choosing and calling people who are hiding or written off. Does anyone feel like they've hidden sometimes? I know I have. I've hidden. I've also felt like I've written off. I've done too much. I can't be chosen anymore. It's done. But we've got so many examples of God calling and choosing people that seem written off. Let's start with Adam. Adam, he, he had that issue, you know, we talk about it. He ate the fruit and uh, he went against and he said, I'm going to make the decisions on my own terms. And he goes into hiding. And it seems ridiculous because God's everywhere. But also God starts to call him. He starts to call his name. So where are you? Where are you? He calls him and says, actually, there's still a redemption here. There's still something that's going to happen through this. Don't run away. But who's the other guy that runs away? Moses. Kills someone, runs away for 40 years in the desert. I don't think anyone's done that in here. hope not. Um, But he's hiding. He's hiding. God finds him there, speaks to him and says, I'm choosing you to go out and do this. The Israelites themselves, oppressed by Egypt, they're in darkness for 400 years. God calls them out first. Often we think about the Israelites and we say, hey, they only were chosen because they did the rules. They were only chosen because they had this and they kept to that. But we know that they didn't for one, for one starters. But in this story, God saves and chooses, chooses them before the rules even come. Before they even get to the mountain and God gives the, the, the Ten Commandments and everything else, God has already chosen them, has already called them out. Let's fast forward. Jesus. This is a great one. It always puzzles me. But God comes down when uh, Jesus is baptized, before he's done any miracles, before he's done any ministry. You're my son, and I am well pleased with you. You're the chosen one. You're the anointed one. He brings up another story, doesn't he? The prodigal son. That story of when you realize, I need to go back. But before he's even back to the father's house, the father that chosen cloak around him. He's stinking of pig. He's stinking of pig, but he's wearing this cloak that says he's chosen. Doesn't make sense. Puts on a ring on him, says the inheritance is still mine. I've still got a plan. Then we come to Peter. Poor Peter. Poor Peter. Denying Jesus three times. I think I've done it more than three times, to be honest. Um, But Peter comes to the resurrected Christ in John's gospel at the end. And it says, Jesus brought him to these coals. These coals are the same words that were used in the same gospel for the coals that were next to where Peter denied Jesus. The writer wants to remind us, this is what happened. Jesus knows this is what happened. He's bringing him to that place and saying, yeah, this is what happened, but I'm still choosing you. Go. Feed my sheep. Go. Start this church. Start this revelation. So, my questions to you today, questions to myself today, is where did Jesus call you? How did Jesus call you? When? What moments did he come down to you and say, it's okay, you're chosen. I'm choosing you today. 
Come, follow me. Let's do it together. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you to go forward. Another way to put it is, to be found, I must what first be lost. To be called, I must first be missing. This is the Jesus that comes to us. So that's great. Thanks for that, Sam. But how does that help? How does that help when we're talking about the church? What do, what's the response that can come from that? If we remember where Jesus called us from and when he called us at that, at that place, it will make us more thankful and it will make us more humble. Thankful to know, wow, Jesus has seen everything. I've come as I am, but I'm still loved. He still said, I'm chosen. He's still saying, follow me. There's still something that we can be a part of, that you can be involved in. What love is this? We can be thankful. And as Peter goes on, it is to praise God. That is why we have been chosen, or one of the reasons. And then humble. Now, this one got to me. Because often when we go in that journey and we start going down that thing, we realize we're chosen. We realize we're chosen. But we forget where we were chosen from. And we start to put other expectations on other people, other steps towards glory. You know, you need to get here first or here before you're chosen. So if we remember where we've come from, we can have grace, we can have humility towards the people around us that are just like us in so many ways. Second phrase, royal priesthood. Now, is anybody here sitting next to their king or queen? Yeah? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? King or queen? Say hi, king. Hi, queen, if you're there. Yeah? Good. I see there are some friends also saying it. Uh, I keep saying that, but also in keep encouraging people that we are kings and queens. We are royalty. But remember, that comes with a responsibility. That comes with a representation of this kingdom representation of our king of jesus now i say i'm from the uk so we actually have a, you know a king his name is charles and um I, when the queen was alive often people would say why don't you speak like the queen why don't you speak like the king you don't sound like him are you really british <laughs> or do you don't drink your tea with a with a little pinky like what's going on are you really from there um, so royalty has this thing of, of setting a precedent of what we're about. Then the priest. It's a priesthood. It's everybody. Everybody being a priest, part of the priesthood. What does a priest mean? It means to represent, to intercede, to atone, to minister, to heal, to walk alongside people for healing, for forgiveness. It's a plural thing. All these phrases are plural. Sometimes we get so bogged down in the individual part of our being saved that we forget that we are part of a body. We are part of a building that Jesus is building. And Peter puts into this into words. He says, you are living stones. Now, not stones like this that are so like almost the same but stones of a mosaic almost, that Jesus is the cornerstone of it, and it's all coming together, and it's being built up in a living way. I don't know about you, but um, 
I, I often think there's just certain priests in the, in the Bible. There's, there's just certain people that can be it. Maybe, you know, pastor here. He, he's a priest. That's fine, but it's not for me. And then I, I looked, and I was reading up. The first priest or the first people that were representing God in a priestly way were actually Adam and Eve. They were subduing. They were doing the work of God. They were partnering with God in the garden and doing his work there. They were priests. So in this new humanity that we are part of as a church, we all are priests and priestesses, or S, I don't know what the word is, but yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so is anyone else a science geek here? Maybe I can give a science example that I thought was, was, was interesting. Uh, anyone, anyone geeky, anyone likes? Yeah, cool, cool, we've got a few. Good to see you. Um, elements, chemistry, periodic table. Yeah? They're just on their own, but they've got different properties. They do different things, just like you and I. Different things, we've got different functions. Um, they're distinct from one another, just like Adam and Eve. They were together, but they were distinct, male and female. So, but what happens when you put hydrogen, for example, with oxygen? What do you get? Water, H2O. The properties change. It becomes more of something that can give life or have an opportunity for life. Take that further. Does anyone know when you add a carbon, another individual uh, element that has properties with those two, what do you get? Glucose, yeah? If you add four of them. Is it four of them? I don't know how many, yeah. Anyway, I was looking at Jacondi then. She was like, yes, I think it's four or three. No. Um, you get glucose, something to feed something to get life from. If we take that even further, I can't remember what, which one it is, but you add another element, you get protein. What are we all made of? What's this? Nyama. Yeah? There's some protein here. Uh, there's life in, in this. If you go even one step further, I think it's phosphate, you get something called DNA, something that has the imprint of something living. We're all distinct. We're all different. But when we come together, there's more functions that come available. There's more that becomes alive in us to be together. Another interesting point that I found when I was reading this as well, that elements on their own are more reactive and less stable. They're more reactive and less stable. I don't know about you, but when I get isolated, when I... I'm not accountable. When I start to do things on my own, I'm more reactive, I'm more emotional, I'm more responsive in ways that are not good for me or the people around me. I become more unstable. Let us come together in our uniqueness. Holy nation. Holy nation. We're set apart. We are a people that are a part of a nation together, chosen for obedience. Peter gives us some practical examples of this. I'm just going to run through quicker, though, a few of them with, for time. Uh, Sober-mindedness. What's on our mind means that we are part of the church. What, what are we thinking about? Are we just going on scrolls? Are we just getting out information from something else? Negativity, whatever it is. Is it through God? Is it through the Word of God? Is it through His body? Is there holiness in our actions? Chapter 1. Another bit in chapter 1 and chapter 4. A deep love for others. Are we, a, are we being a, a people that are deeply in love and deeply invested? I know I need help on that. I know I need help on that to do that better. 
absence of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Uh, we've got submission to authority. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. He mentions that three times as well. That's not just once, three times in his letter. That's a hard one, but it's one that sets us apart as a king, uh, as a nation for God. What other things? What about repayment of evil, but with a blessing? That's hard, isn't it? That's in chapter 3. Turning from evil to seek peace. How many more of us do we need more of that way in our lives to seek, to answer? This is a chapter 3, verse 15. Answering with gentleness and respect. When I'm annoyed, that's not the first thing that comes on my mind. But this is part of what it means to be part of the body. And finally, we end on this treasured possession. Treasured possession. That we are God's delight. That there's something that he has stored. That he has kept. That he has ready to give out and to show his glory to the world. And he's going to say, I'm going to use the church. Whoa. That does not make sense in my eyes. But okay, God, if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're calling us to. So just to sum up, five points I want to make clear of, uh, that have helped me to understand and helped me to wrestle and to go away to think about this is five things that we are chosen for. What are we chosen for? First one is chosen not for exclusivity, but for inclusivity. Our doors often get closed more because of what's happened to us or the way we think or the way the world has, has helped us to think. But it seems like God is saying from these examples that the door is wide open. The Father's arms are wide open and he's wanting to us to be that same people of saying, you're also chosen. Come follow me. Number two, chosen to tell the delight of how and where God called us. Maybe you need to think about that. Maybe you're even here for the first time and say, I don't think I've even felt that for the first time. I want to encourage you that Jesus is also saying that to you, that you are chosen today. You are chosen in your state that you are now. Number three, we are chosen to bear Yahweh's special name. Yahweh's name and represent Jesus to the many. And number four, chosen to all of us to be priests who intercede with God for themselves, but also for one another. And then finally, chosen to be and to live under a new way, the Jesus way. I invite you to stand. I invite the band to come back. We are going to have one song together. But I want us just to pray and to reflect on a few of these things together. So I just invite you to stand. And as I'm going to say three things. And if that rings with you, I just want you to respond. However you want to say you're responding, whether it's just an eyebrow or it's a hand, whatever it is. Um, and we're just going to pray together for you and for us. So the first one. We want to pray for those who don't know or believe they've been chosen, that they've been called, that they've been redeemed. If that's you, just respond however you want. And we just want to pray, Jesus, 
those of us that need that reclaiming, that recalling that you did for so many people in this world. Make it real for each one of us today. Let us hear you say you are mine. You are chosen. You're not rejected. You are accepted as you are because of what I've done for you, because of the way that I want you to move and walk in my spirit with me. Come, come. So Jesus, we pray for that. We also want to pray, number two, those that have maybe forgotten where you were called, forgotten when you were called, and there's some pride that's built up and and you're now sort of starting to, to make choices that maybe are not representing Jesus well, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your family, maybe in your marriage, maybe in just your day-to-day response with people. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your humility, Lord. As we respond in this way, Lord, I pray that uh, we would know that we were chosen at our lowest. We were chosen and our broken. We were chosen at that place where we could do no other, but yet you loved us so much and help us to do the same for others. And then finally, I'm going to pray for those that you know you're chosen. You feel that. You feel that sense. I know that God has chosen me. But you feel this call to step up a bit more, to come from the back row, as it were, metaphorically, and to come and say, you know what? I'm chosen for a purpose. I'm chosen for a privilege. What is that? So Lord, help all of us in that way. Help all of us to to, to realize that we, yes, we're chosen, but we're chosen for something. We're chosen to represent. We're chosen to be a kingdom of priests, to minister to other people, to walk alongside them, to be like you. Help us, Lord. Just offer this last song to you, Jesus, before we close. Amen.